Radio Mano Papachango. special supplemental bonus episode this week uh, because I fucked up. Um, Aaron and I, Aaron Alexander and I recorded this a few weeks ago and we agreed that uh, he would release uh, part of it on his podcast and I'd release part of it on my podcast and we very cleverly coordinated the day that we would both release it. And then that day came and uh, I released the Smoke Jumper one because I forgot that we had arranged all this stuff. So what are you going to do? Um, so I'm a couple days late. So if you've listened to Aaron's podcast and you came to mind saying, Hey, I want to listen to the other half of that conversation. Sorry for the delay. Here it is. Um, <clears throat> for the rest of you who are listening to this first, you can go to Aaron's site and listen to part two, or you can uh, download his podcast. It's called Aligned Therapy Podcast, uh, and his website is Aligned Therapy, A-L-I-G-N Therapy, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y dot com. So you can check that out, and I hope you will if you enjoy this, uh, the first part here that we get all crazy in the park. Um, thank you, as always, to all of you who are using the Amazon affiliate uh, link on my website. There are some really funny cool things being ordered through there. I love to to go and look at the report. Amazon like puts together a report you can look at. Somebody, for example, bought Pink Queen Lady Fairy Tales cartoon print digital bodysuit for $19.99, and we got 7.5% of that shit. That's right, $1.50 from whomever, whoever it was who ordered the Pink Queen Lady Fairy Tales cartoon print digital bodysuit. All right, thank you. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, we've got uh, somebody bought a, an O'Neill Men's Sonoma Straw Lifeguard hat, red. Thank you. Dollar forty-six came to us from that. See, the beauty of this is that you're not spending any extra money, and we're just taking some of Amazon's money. And God knows those fucks have enough money while they destroy mom and pop bookstores around the world. Um, hey, somebody bought. A Senna 2020S motorcycle Bluetooth communication system with HD audio and advanced noise control, bitches. Cost them $458. We got 34 of that. Sweet. Thank you. Those high those high price items are especially sweet. Uh, the Kid Canteen Stainless Steel Complete Baby Bottle Set. What the fuck is that? It's like when you take your kids hiking. I, I, I don't know what that is. It's a kid canteen stainless steel complete baby bottle set. Okay. Anyway, yeah, 7.5% of that came to us. That's 334. Okay. What else we got here? There's some good stuff here. Cure Series Japanese Exfoliating Bath Towel. Super Hard Weave. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. We got Epsom salts. Somebody spent 30 bucks on Epsom salts. That's nice. Lucky Tiger Liquid Cream Shave. 
Lucky Tiger. I don't know. If a tiger is getting shaved, I don't think that's a very lucky tiger. Tiger. Um, oh, and Good Clean Love, Almost Naked Lubricant. See, you can get your sex lubricants on Amazon and, and also support your favorite or one of your favorite podcasts. Uh, what else we got? We got some Vaseline Petroleum Jelly. Okay, there seems to be a lot of sex stuff going on among my listeners. I'm not sure what that means. Okay, then we get to the book section. Primate's Memoir, very good purchase. I hope you enjoy that. That's Robert Sapolsky's book, fantastic. A Renegade History of the United States, Thad Russell, frequent guest on the program. That's a wonderful one. What else we got here? Um, Applied Theories in Occupational Therapy. All right, sounds like somebody's at school. I Play in the Fields of the Lord, one of my all-time favorite novels. Uh, Black Elk Speaks, fantastic book. I'm just going down here. They seem to be uh, in alphabetical. Desert Solitaire, two copies of Desert Solitaire. That is a wonderful book of essays about about everything, about living in the desert, about the good and the best and the worst parts of American culture, about cowboys, about independence, about being a man without being an asshole. It's a wonderful book. Edward Abbey, Desert Solitaire. Uh, what else we got here? LSD psychotherapy. Uh-huh. Uh, here you. Don't Sleep There Are Snakes. I've recommended that book several times. I hope you enjoy that, whoever bought it. Moody Bitches. Uh, we had her on the podcast, Julie, uh, recently. Let's see what else we got here. I'm going down. I hope this isn't boring for you. Some people have written and said, I love it when you read that stuff. It's really funny. So that's what I'm doing. If it's boring, I'm sorry. The Marriage of the Sun and the Moon, Andrew Weil. I love that book. The Man Who Stare at Goats, John Ronson. I'd like to get John on the podcast at some time. I think he might be a little too famous. I met him in um, Australia. We both spoke at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas a few days ago. I had breakfast with him. Um, And I couldn't tell. You know, he's one of these British guys where you can't tell whether they're being friendly or they're actually happy to see you. You know, they're, they're so mannered and, and sort of, uh, proper. Um, and I don't know him well, obviously we had just met and I think we shared a taxi or something and I saw him at breakfast. He was alone. I said, Oh, do you mind if I join you? And he sort of said, well, of course. And, but the whole time I was sitting there with him, I wasn't sure if he was secretly hoping I hadn't joined him. That's the problem with being polite, you know? If he had just said, oh, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I'm, it's too early to talk to people, if, I, I would have been like, okay, cool, fine, whatever. But not knowing if he actually wanted me to be there made the whole thing weird. I guess if you're British, you get used to that shit. But I've never gotten used to it. Uh, more psychedelic stuff. The Psychedelic Experience, the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, and the Power of Positive Dog Training. Okay, works for me. Um, the unbearable lightness of being love that book. Wondering who you are. Uh, three copies of that were ordered through our website. Very cool. Sonia Lee, our recent guest. Now somebody got, uh, I think I mentioned the, uh, the drone that somebody bought, uh, in the last episode for almost a thousand bucks through the site. Very sweet. We get 40 of those dollars. And what's this other one? Um, there's a camera, Panasonic. Oh, that's the, uh, some kind of lens. And, oh, wait, what's this? 1500 bucks somebody spent on a Panasonic Lumix 
digital single lens mirrorless digital camera with 4K cinematic video. Holy shit. And then some other thing that looks like a tripod bag, camera mounting plates. Somebody went nuts on cameras. So, and they went nuts through our website. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay, I'm just going to run down here. Somebody bought a, an Apple MacBook 12-inch laptop with Retina display for $1,300. $25 comes to the podcast from that. So you're going to buy it anyway. Why not go through, you know, Chris Ryan PhD, click on that Amazon thing, and there you go. Or, hey, I, I know for a fact that Duncan Trussell does this as well. Most podcasts will have an affiliate link, you know, why not? So if you... uh if you feel you've given given me too much of your money, then go give some to Duncan Trussell. He certainly can use it and deserves it. That guy's funny as shit. Um, okay, just going through, going through, looking for for any other high item. Uh, uh, there are a lot of weird things in here. I mean, in the kitchen area, somebody bought a Japanese knife, industrial scientific spatula. I don't even know what that shit is. Uh, office products, other, I saw some other, there was some other funny sex stuff in here, but there's so many of these that, uh, I can't find it. Somebody bought, um, saber red pepper spray, police strength. <laughs> All right. That's great. Someone else bought arachnid 90% tungsten soft tip darts. How soft can a dart tip really be and still be considered a dart? Uh, that's what I want to know. Um, we got some feline greenies original dental treats, succulent beef flavor. So people are buying their cat treats through there. I thank you. Your cat thanks you. King Arthur gluten-free pancake mix. What the fuck does King Arthur have to do with gluten-free pancakes? I don't I don't know. I really don't get it. Somebody bought some tuna <laughs> through the site. Uh, sleeping bag. The Klimit insulated static V sleeping pad. Oh, sleeping pad. Orange and charcoal black. Uh, some more canteens. Some Euro tools. So you get the idea. People are buying all sorts of shit through the site, and that's a a wonderful way to support the podcast, which we really appreciate down here at Tangentially Speaking. Okay, that's enough ranting from me. Uh, I want to quickly put this up so people who are looking for part two of the podcast aren't uh, you know frustrated and, and worried and lost. Uh, thanks to everybody. Thanks to uh, Carsey Blanton, as always. Smoke Alarm, you hear at the end her special acoustic version she recorded just for us while the birds were singing and uh, appropriately, because I've, I've been recording a lot of podcasts in the park. I'm going to record another one in a couple hours with some folks who um, uh, basically I think their story is that they rented out their place and went on a long uh, trip in a van, this couple and their dog that through South America. And then when they came home, instead of kicking the people out of their house and moving back in and getting jobs and all that. They were like, fuck, we've been living in a van for a year. 
why don't we just let those people keep living there and paying our mortgage and we'll convert the garage and we'll live in the garage. And that's what they did. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be talking to them because um, the way it happened was Cassie and I were just out for a walk and we walked by and we saw this um, this space that they were living in. It was beautiful. And I thought it was an architectural office and they had all the doors open and everything. So we walked in and we're walking around like, hey, how are you doing? And just wanted to sort of see what kind of architecture they were doing. It turns out we had just walked into their house. Like, and they were completely chilled and like, yeah, come on, Elle, you want to see the shower? And they sort of showed us around. Um, anyway, that was probably six months ago. And I've been trying to get them on the podcast and they were very like, oh, what could we possibly have to say that would be interesting and very, you know, sort of humble. And um, But finally, I convinced them that, that they're message is uh is very important and interesting for for this audience i hope you'll agree anyway i'm doing that podcast in a couple hours in the meantime let's get this up and out thank you for listening thank you to everybody who's been sending uh emails and support in one way or another whether it be emotional financial or whatever if you want to support this podcast you can do it through amazon as i just explained at length or you can um set up a recurring uh, donation through fundwhatyoulove.com. You'll see tangentially speaking there. They've got a bunch of different projects happening now. I'm happy to see that site starting to take off. Um, and uh, it's run by a friend of the podcast, Danny Osment, who is also a sound engineer who does the the remastering of all these all these podcasts. So uh, if you're a podcaster yourself or a musician or you have any need for remastering services or sound editing of one sort or another danny's your man you can um, either find him through fun what you love or you can check out his site which is emerald city pro i believe um in any case check him out danny osmond thanks to him thanks to carsey thanks to uh uh basin and range who does the uh the intro music and uh everyone i'm forgetting i'll thank you next time ciao all right, here we are. I'm sitting in the rain with Aaron Alexander. Aaron fucking Alexander. Who <laughs> no, who the hell are you? What what's your story? You're you're some sort of body guru guy. I know that. I appreciate you saying that. that's very nice of you. I prefer not to be called body guru guy if <laughs> if at all possible. Uh we met at Paleo FX in Austin briefly. Mm. And my wife has been listening to your podcast uh, religiously for, what, the last two weeks or whenever since you and I got in touch. Right. I asked her to listen to it. You and I got in touch, and I thought, well, this guy could be interesting for the podcast. And so I said to Casilda, do me a favor. Check out this guy's website and tell me if you think he's full of shit or not And because uh, <laughs> I don't want to waste my time if he is. And she did, and she came back, and not only did she say, you're not full of shit, she said, well, you heard her say earlier, how she feels so good not to feel alone, that you understand things in similar ways to the way she does, the physiological processes and the way the body is designed and the way it works. And um, and she also said that she thought I should uh, try to make my podcast more like yours. So, <laughs> fuck you, all right? That's what I want to say. I want to begin this conversation by saying, fuck you. Um, my wife's in love with you. So <laughs> deal with it. I, you know, I'll, I'll help when I can, man. But um, no. So welcome to the podcast. And uh, and congratulations on the Casilda seal of approval. Winning over your wife. It's a hard thing to get. <laughs> believe me. 
believe me. Many have tried. Few have succeeded. Because um, as, as we were talking earlier, and I think you probably got the, uh, you know, the message that she's extremely skeptical of people making any sort of claims to knowledge about health. Yes, she should be. Uh, right. And it's not that she's uh, – it's, it's not about having an MD. She's not a snob at all. She thinks most MDs are full of shit. Right. Um, and that bothers her even more because as a medical doctor, she feels implicated by that. Right. Um, so it's, it's not a snobbery uh, about you didn't go to medical school like I did. It's just that there's so much misinformation and it really offends her that people are peddling uh, misinformation that can really hurt people. Sure. You know, so – uh, anyway, congratulations. You, I don't know Casilda anything about all this, but you've got her Casilda seal of approval. So what, um, what is it that you do? How do you describe yourself if not a body guru? Body guru, yeah. Um, so I do a combination of hands-on body work, you know, so that looks like manual therapy where essentially uh, people come in, they have various aspects of their body that may be stuck or you know not moving so well Uh, whether you call it tissue dehydration whether you call it agglomeration of fascia you know all these different fancy terms you know the terms aren't so important what is important is their body is stuck in whatever position they've created with their life right you know and the really interesting thing is right now as so you can see like people think i'm insane you know, like who would stand on a picnic table while they're doing an interview? Not that I'm standing right now, but at some point I probably will. You know, yeah. because, <laughs> we'll have to pause and move right. the mics for that. <laughs> you know, because going through a wide variety of range of motion, our bodies crave it. You know, and so what we've done is we've we've kind of like succumbed to this. Thanks for adjusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're making me you're making me self conscious oh about my hunched writerly shoulders here. <laughs> No, but you're, you're right. I mean, this is something I think about a lot. You know, uh, here I am writing this book and, and a lot of what I'm writing about is how out of alignment we are with sure. what our bodies are evolved to, to seek. And meanwhile, I'm, you know, most of the time I'm sitting at a fucking desk all fucking day long. And, you know, I'm reading all these reports about how, you know, n- lack of movement is more dangerous for your body than cigarette smoking. And, you know, and and it's not enough to get up and go for a run in the morning right because it's not about like how many steps you take in a day it's how what percentage of your waking hours are spent not moving and as a writer i'm kind of fucked you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you're fucked you know it's i think there there's ways around it you know so i do a, maybe like a millionth of percentage of the writing that you do but i do you know quite a bit of writing myself and as I'm doing that, I just go through various different ranges of motion, yeah. you know, and your body craves this stuff. You know, like the 50 cent word of the podcast, mechanotransduction. What mechanotransduction essentially is the, the, the response that your cells have to your mechanical, mechano movement. You know, so if, if the response is, you know, zero, if our stimulus is zero, then the response will you know, share that, which eventually the body gets bored and the body gets yeah. tired. The body gets sick. The body gets fat. You know, the body starts maybe even attacking itself, autoimmune disease, you know, right. there's all these things like the body wants to go, you know, and we need yeah. to give it that opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, in, in our world, you know, we've outsourced our movement. 
you know, and that's a, that's a shame, you know, because what we used to be doing is we used to, you know, plow the field, which I know, you, you know, you, you feel like that was kind of like an impetus of things kind of going awry a little bit, but yeah. hunter gathered. But at least they were more, moving. At least yeah. they were moving, yeah. you know, and so like ever since the agrarian age, ever since the beginning of this, like, oh, I can kind of press the button and yeah. the machine does it for me. Right. At first, it's like beautiful idea. Fantastic. That's amazing. This is awesome. I can read these books. I can do these things. Sleep with my wife, whatever I'm into. You know, I can do this great stuff. Right. You know, but what that's turned into is now we're starting to become so dependent upon the other movements of these machines that we've created that we've lost ourselves. You know, that mechanotransduction, you know, it's like our cells are like, all right, bud, you don't, you don't need to move. We're not going to move. Our bodies are inherently lazy. Our brains are inherently lazy. I mean that in the best way possible yeah. in the sense that they conserve energy. Right. You know, and so if you do not need to create energy, your body will not create energies. So, yeah. You know, so one of the analogies that I use with that is like, think about when you want to extract energy from the ether, you know, from the environment, you know, you need to build a windmill, you know, you need to, you need to create some kind of system. You need to actually reach out and grab the energy yeah. from, you know, this ether that we're living in. Similar concept in your human body. You need to reach in and grab the energy, Yeah, you know, but most people, we just don't have that initial kind of chutzpah to actually reach in and get it, you know, and maybe we need to listen to more music. Maybe we need to have sex with each other more. Maybe we need to hold hands. Maybe we need to dance and like whatever you need, eat better food, get out of your stupid job, have, you know, enough, feel empowered in yourself enough that you want to move with confidence, you know, and then from there, that's when you can start to, you know, actually start to add on some really beneficial layers. But most of us, we've gotten so just smothered, you know, it literally looks like we're suffocating ourselves at a cellular level by not respirating ourselves, our cells, right? So that, that move, man, that expansion and contraction at every single level, be it emotional level, physical level, wherever it may be, that is a respiration, mm. right? Your heart, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, your lungs, <gasps> Yeah. Right. Your muscles, you know, everything, your emotional self, blah, scream, <laughs> whatever you got to do, let it out, you know, and, but we end up just getting stuck Yeah. and that stickiness gets stickier. Right. Casilda. Yeah. That's going to be in the, in the podcast. Casilda. <laughs> yeah. Enter, actually, entering I, the podcast. I just, Here I we just go. pressed the button and you said Casilda. <laughs> Casilda is uh, walking in with her hula She's hoop. approaching. That's great. Um, what you were just saying reminds me of of a situation that makes me very sad, which is um, – I mean it's kind of funny, but it's sad. My father uh, years ago – my mother doesn't really like dogs, you know, and my father loves dogs. Sure. And my sister and I were conspiring to convince my mother to – to get a dog for my father because we thought he could use the uh, companionship and exercise. Right. And so the, the our argument we made to my mother was, look, we'll get dad a dog. And they lived up on this mountaintop and this beautiful land all around. So we'll get dad a dog, like a do- big energetic dog. And, and he'll have to take the dog for walks. Right. So dad will get out. He'll walk around. It'll be good for his weight. It'll be good for his stress. It'll be good for everything, right? It'll be great. Right. So we get – my mother goes for it. We get dad this dog. First thing was he names the dog Stoli after his favorite vodka. Now, that was a bad sign, okay? Now, we were thinking of getting him a husky, and then at the last minute, we got him a golden retriever instead. And so there's this golden retriever named Stoli. And so I come back to visit six months later, like expecting to see that my dad's lost 10 or 15 pounds and 
Instead, what I see is this fat, lazy dog. He's convinced the dog to be lazy and sit around and not do anything, right. you know. And, and unfortunately, he's had several dogs since then, and it's always the same story. And now he's got this dog. The dog doesn't do anything. The dog doesn't go outside. He takes the dog, like, into the yard to take a shit twice a day, and that's it. Right. And the dog's losing its fucking mind. <laughs> and every time I go to visit, it's so depressing because this dog is just like, kill me. Please, someone kill me. Get me sure. out of here. Because, like you say, the dog needs to move. The dog needs to run. The dog needs some kind of stimulation. And it's not getting any. Right. And, you know, so I see that as a corollary for the body. The body's yeah. a dog. The body's a big dog. It wants to run. It wants to move. And... Yeah, you can convince it not to. You can make the dog a fat, lazy dog, but like you said, it turns against itself. It starts chewing sure. at, at its own skin. It it, it gets sick and nuts, right. you know. So yeah, sometimes I feel like my dad's dog. I think that's why it irritates me so much. You yeah, know, I, I can see myself in there. So if you look at dogs, like dogs are, are some of our best teachers because their their uh, nervous system is goes from zero you know slobbering on themselves laying on the on the carpet whatever passed out for three hours you know to 100 percent yeah you know and what that ends up being it looks like kind of like what a contraction you know it looks like a heartbeat hmm. you know a full contraction right. and a full expansion right you know human beings right we kind of tend to be more in this like Perpetual sixty-eight percent on, right? You know, like total random, you know, BS number. But we're we're perpetually kind of on, yeah. You know, and what that ends up being is, you know, stress from bills. It ends up being stress from my girlfriend, stress from my right. car breaking down, right. stress from I got this podcast coming up with Chris Ryan. Right. Like, am I going to be smart enough? Oh, you know, like all these different things. Very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these yeah. different, all these different things though. I mean, those are real stressors, you know, and yeah. that's, you know, you're familiar with Hans Selye, I know, cause I've, I've heard you talk, talk with him before or talk about him before, you know, and uh, I believe he came up with the term you stress, you stress being like positive stress in your body. Right. right? So we need to recognize that even positive stressors like exercise, you know, they call them hermit, hormetic stressors, you know, even those are stressful. You know, anything that right. takes our system out of that homeostasis, that right. balance, that is stressful. Right. And we are so inundated with all of these stressors throughout our life that we don't get that full, complete pass out lying on the, car, on the couch slobbering on ourselves to full charge at the mailman. Right. You know, it's, which is what flushes out the system. Right. right. You know, it's yeah. that expressing out every time you go through, you have some kind of like sympathetic response or your body's wigging out for some reason, fight flight. You know, you yeah. end up releasing a cocktail of various different endorphins and chemicals and blah, blah, blah. That needs to go somewhere, right? right? It ends up going into our tissue, right? So we need to be thinking about our tissues as almost like these rags that are holding on to these chemicals or sponges. We need to rinse out those rags, you know? So when our nervous system gets to go through that full expression, when our physical body gets to go through that full expression, it's one of the healthiest things that we possibly can do, you know? But instead, we're just stuck at this perpetual, I'm kind of stressed out, you know? Yeah. And we never get that full contraction. And then things like glands start failing, you know, your pituitary gland, your adrenal gland, or whatever it may be, we, you know, adrenal 
adrenal fatigue. You know, your right, body's been right. inundated with these glucocorticoids, you know, sending the stress response to your system for so long that your brain, your body starts to become resistant to it. And it says, I don't, I get so much stress response from you. I, I have to, it's like the boy who cried wolf. I have to just mellow out, man. You know, and it's like, all right, well, I'm going to keep on pushing them. Eventually it wears out. And we call that adrenal fatigue. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we're happening. And then it's to see that with dogs, you know, I think at first you see it. It's like, at first it's like, you know, the dog, it's his natural nature, you know, it's like, oh, what does that look like? A lot like ADHD with a kid. Right. Right. Pathologizing yeah. the yeah. human condition of wanting to move your freaking ass. Exactly. And then you get the emotional <laughs> freak out where the dog barks at like everything. You sure. know, the alarm response is hyper attenuated. You know, have you read Robert Sapolsky? Do okay. you know his stuff? Yeah. yeah why Zebra's. Memoir on why oh, his about. memoir is great. Right. I love that memoir. Uh, Primates memoir. Um, but why zebras don't get ulcers is, you know, looks at his work with um, stress. And he makes this point very strongly that, you know, uh, chronic stress is what kills us. Exactly. Acute stress is healthy. It's yes. good for as as you're saying. It, it's like uh, the inhalation, exhalation. It rings out the, the tissues. It, you know, it's a sudden surge, which is what these glands are meant to do. The, you're not meant to have... A sort of, you know, to pick your number, 68%, uh, you know, ad, uh, adrenaline level in your blood all the time because right. you're worried about paying bills and your marriage sucks and your kids are assholes. And like, you're not meant, the body's not designed for that. Right. The body's designed for holy shit, followed by either the lions eating you or not. Right. And if not, you feel great afterwards, right? right? It's like, you know, I like doing things and I don't do them much anymore, but, um, I like doing things that are really fucking scary yeah. because it focuses the brain, relaxes the brain because it shuts off all the chatter. Right. I mean, I rode a motorcycle for years. You were talking about riding motorcycles and um, that was one of the things I liked about it. It's sure. like, man, when I'm on that bike, I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah. I'm looking at the road. I'm looking for animals. I'm kids and cars and, you know, you're hyper vigilant because you're scared. Right. Rock climbing, yeah. paragliding, you know. Um, yeah, scuba diving, all those things where your body thinks you can die. Sure. They're really fun. Yeah. <laughs> because afterwards you're so relaxed, right? Right. So, so, you know, you talked a little bit about the body stuff and the, your, uh, your focus is on connective tissue. Is that accurate? So connective tissue is, is an aspect of the body that, you know, so for a long time when we were cutting, you know, into cadavers and such, we would, we would get rid of the connective tissue, yeah. the white stuff. It was like the packing penis of the body, essentially, you know, and so now we're starting to look at it, you know, as of recent people like Gil Headley and Robert Schleip and various people that you know, look into their stuff, it's worth, worth checking out. Um, you know, they're starting to really dive into that. And, you know, if you were to strip away every aspect of our body and just keep the fascia, just keep the connective tissue you'd look like Christopher Ryan, you know, you, you'd still have this form, you know, mm. and, and this connective tissue, you know, they call it the organ of form, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's our memory. It's our biography. You know, when mm. we were talking with Casilda earlier, she mentioned her skin. It's like her biography, right. you know, your connective tissue, it is telling your story, you know, because right. when you're sitting, when you're sitting, you know, writing on, you know, civilized to death, you know, it's like your body is forming into that position, you know? And so whatever, if we if we work, you know, we'll we'll see. Oh, your shoulders are pulled into this meter rotation and protraction. Your head's coming forward. Oh, it's you know your spine is coming forward. All this stuff, literally, 
I, you know, someone that's familiar with this stuff could derive, or anybody, just if you look at bodies, you could say like, oh, have you been writing on your computer all day? You know, and it's like, literally, it is our biography. That injury that you had, you rolled your ankle when you were 16, and then you had a limp, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, now all of a sudden you have, you know, meniscus surgery 20 years later. Whoa. You know, so it's, it's figuring out how do we find a really strong, fantastic baseline for the body? How do we erase the chalkboard? You know, it's like we have so much shit on our chalkboard from our day's tasks or whatever it is. And that gets into emotional stuff as well. You know, when you feel sad, you, you know, you right. clench up, right? right? What do you do? Your diaphragm contracts. You know, you go, you come into this forward head posture, you guard your organs, you guard your genitals, you, you all right. Your body holds that emotion, you know? And so some people get weirded out when, when, you know, folks talk about this stuff. Cause it's like, you have the, you know, the Portland's collective consciousness in your calf or something. It's like, eh, I don't think it's totally like that. You know, that's the part that makes people uncomfortable. It's like, I don't yeah. know, you know, my mother issues are in my big toe, yeah. you know, but that's a little more out there. What's not out there at all is when you have a certain emotion come up in your body, your body will take on that form. You know, one of the studies that I think is interesting is, it was like UCLA or something, they um, were looking at actors that were taking on the roles of depressed individuals. Mm. You know, and so they're sort of watching the actors, oh, you know, my mother passed away. And it's just like so challenging, you know. And at the end of that day, what they found is their, their immune system was suppressed. Right. Right. They found that they literally took on that physical expression into their biology. Right. You know, and so tapping into like, what is the, our strongest expression of ourself, you know, like, and then what that looks like is functional movement. What the heck does functional movement mean? Can you pick up a rock, you know, can you pull as far as you get on that rock and know that your body is safe because you're lining up your foot to your knee, to your pelvis, to your spine, right. you know, you're contracting everything that needs to be contracted. You're sequencing your muscles properly. Right. If you're able to tap into that, you have an you've infinite strength. You know, all the people that are doing amazing things out there, that's what they're doing. They're, they're connecting the blocks so that that energy, you know, is able to actually surge through their whole entire system as opposed to having all these boomba clots, you know, all these like stoppages, you know, mm. and the, those stoppages end up looking like someone hunching over their computer. Mm. That's the state of our culture. Right, right. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, John Sarno's work on back pain. You know what I'm talking about? He is the one. Was it like the neuro mind over, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Mind over back pain was one of his right. books. He's really interesting to me. He was a. Uh, I think I've discussed him on the podcast before, so I'll be very brief. But he was an um, orthopedic surgeon specializing in back surgery, right. and he noticed that a lot of the people who came in um, with uh, slip discs or, or bulging discs or herniated or whatever. Um, People would come in and they'd be complaining of back pain. And when he did examinations, he'd find like, well, okay, the, they, they locate the pain on, you know, vertebrae four or whatever. Sure. But down at vertebrae seven, actually, you know, there's more uh, trauma, right. um, structural damage, whatever. But they're not talking about that. And so there were he was finding like all these disconnect between what the body, um, you know, what the, the x-rays were showing him and what people were experiencing. Sure. And so he started following that up. And eventually what he concluded is that uh, most, I think he said 80% or so of the people who were complaining of back pain, what was really happening was that they were experiencing some sort of psychological emotional trauma sure. and they were expressing it 
or experiencing it as back pain. Right. Um, but that in fact, the minute, even just having a conversation where he introduced this idea that what was actually happening was that stress about the divorce or the kids going away to college or whatever it was, that was the source of this pain. It went away just from thinking about this, understanding this. Right. And that, but the body's so clever because what happens is that the body expresses the pain in a place where there is, in fact, some physiological trauma. It's like the weak link. Yeah. So the doctors would look and say, oh, you've, you've got pain in your upper back. Well, look, there's a herniated disc in your upper back. Sure. There you go, right? Um, but in fact, the body finds – it's like the, the weak point for the, the mushroom to grow up through the, through the uh, parking lot or something. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right. <laughs> it's like it, it picks the right spot and that's where it comes out. But right. that's not what caused it, you know? Sure. Yeah, this whole mind body stuff is is so fascinating. Yeah, um, you, you on your website it talks about rolfing. Are you uh, sort of? I mean, did you train in rolfing? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I went to the Rolf, I went to the Rolf Institute and um, rolfing for any for the, the large majority of individuals that don't know what the heck that is. <laughs> it was um, big in the '60s. It was a real right, hippie though, thing. Exactly. Ida yeah. Ida Rolf. Ida right? B. Rolf. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, and so too bad her name couldn't have been anything else. You know, it's like Rolf is like now it's like yeah. either rolling on the floor laughing or like vomiting on your shirt. You know, there's like yeah. not really – if you think of Rolf, it doesn't think like, oh, body alignment. You yeah. know, it's like not at all. But um, yeah, I went to the Rolf Institute, studied out there and uh, it's cool. It's really – it's get back to with what you're saying with like the mind-body and I can talk about what Rolfing is if you want me to. Um, but getting back with the, the mind-body connection with that – you know, we look at the body, and one of the things that Robert mentions is in his book, um, that Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, is allostatic load. You know, so allostatic, again, more 50-cent words. Um, not so important that you, know, you, you remember these words at all, but the concept is important. It's like we get this – we can handle so much stress in our system. Right? You know, it's like my, a buddy of mine, um, Dr., Dr. Cobb from Z Health, he calls this the stress bucket. Right? So our bodies can hold X amount of stress stress in our bucket. Different, more resilient structures can hold more or less, you know. And so when you get to a point where the stress is overflowing over the bucket, you know, it's like we get to a point where it's like we're spilling. It needs to manifest somewhere. Is it going to be a lumbar thing? Is it going to be a neck thing? Is it going to be like everybody has chronic neck pain? You know, probably because right. most people at our heads are jutting forward all day long. You know, and so it's what we need to recognize is like, oh, what? So what happened there? You know, so he thinks that he got healed, you know, whatever it may be. It's like there's a really interesting study with um, knee surgery. So they're doing atheroscopic surgery and they had 148 uh, patients that were all, you know, candidates for knee surgery. And what they, what they did is like split them in half. Half of them did the knee surgery. The other half didn't. So they did mock surgery. So they ended up cutting them open, you know, and, and doing just like this, you know, stitching them back up and kind of poking around their knee as though they're getting surgery. Yeah. Then they come back a year later and what they find out, everybody's done great. Yeah. You know, so it's like, what is that? You know, that's a big deal, you know? And so big part of that is your perception becomes your reality, you know? And so when you start to shift your perspective on your pain, you start to feel empowered in yourself of like, you know what? I got this, you know, or like, Oh, I, I am healing. You know, it's like we were saying earlier, it's like, you were always right. 
100% of the time, you are right. You know, if you believe that you are, your body's failing, your immune system's failing, like you will only add to that. Like it's in like epigenetics and Bruce Lipton and all that, right. you know, it's like when we start to reduce that, that load, that stress load through making you believe that you're getting well, that's a huge stressor that gets taken off of your plate, you know, and it gets into this, some of those things that are a little bit less tangible that make people uncomfortable to talk about because it's a lot more challenging to do a statistic on this, Yeah, you know, and it's like, if you believe that you are well, you believe that you are strong, if you have a strong community, if you're being touched and touching, you know, if you have self-worth, that has a, a, a massive impact on your biology. But we kind of shoot that under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the so thing. much in that area. I remember years ago doing a I, – I, I gave a talk on uh, psychoneuroimmunology sure. in, in Argentina. And I remember reading all these studies preparing for that talk. Like, I mean, there's crazy stuff. Like, people who are getting exactly the same surgery, you know, the same in every respect, same age, same, you know, whatever. All the fact, other factors are eliminated. The only difference between them is that – um, some of them have a room uh, in the hospital, a recovery room that uh, opens onto trees. Right. And the other has a room that opens onto a wall. Sure. The ones with trees, it's like 30% faster recovery. Right. You know, like crazy shit like that that you would never think about that doesn't seem to have any scientific import at all. Right. Or people who have a pet, you know, or as you said, people have someone who loves them. Right. Something as simple as that is is more powerful than you know whatever medication or the better surgeon or the you know the younger surgeon whatever. Those things are so important, but as you say, they're so hard to quantify. Sure. And so we end up science. So much of science is like you know that cliche about the guy looking for his keys under the streetlight. You know that story. I love that story. Yeah. Right. And it's you know, it's cliched, but. You know, the guy says, why, where'd you lose your keys? Across the street. And then why are you looking under the street light? Because here's, this is where the light is. I can't right. see over there. Yeah. And that's what so much science is like. We oh, only yeah. take uh, seriously those things that can be measured and quantified. Right. But that's not all there is. No. In fact, that's a very small part of it. But that leads to the problem that we started out with, that there are a lot of bullshit peddlers out there taking of advantage of the fact that, um, you know, there is the placebo response. And if you convince people that you're helping them in fact a lot of those people get better simply because you've convinced them that they will right which leads into that circular situation where you know we were talking about earlier i mean if it's bullshit but it's effective is it still bullshit so if i convince people that um you know zeus is real Mm -hmm. and that if you pray to zeus you'll get better and half those people do get better. Yeah. Then what am I doing? Yeah. Am I helping or hurting? Totally. I, it's hard to know. Well, that's you know, Noam Chomsky has a quote that I, I butcher every quote that I ever say. So, but it's something along the lines of you know I choose to be optimistic for the betterment of the future. You know, and so if you, if if we believe in that optimistic potential, then we go. You know, you go into battle. You know, because you believe that there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But see, I'm ha- I'm having trouble with that way of thinking. That I would have been more sympathetic to that a few years ago. Right. But at this point, you know, I'm, I'm writing this diatribe against progress, and you know, I'm very resistant to being hopeful because mm-hmm. I feel like this default um, 
worship of hopefulness is and and this sort of like if you're not optimistic you you know there's something wrong with you i i feel like that permits a lot of the bullshit to continue sure so I mean, on a civilizational level, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you get all these, these arguments of like, you know, well, humans of all, we've always survived. We, you know, we've gotten into messes before and we've always worked it out. Well, no, we haven't, right? Like, you know, the, the Jews who got into the mess in Germany, you know, very few of them got out, right? Or, you know, the people who were slaughtered by the Mongols or, you know, bubonic plague or, you know, name your fucking mess. Um, the fact that the species... Uh, continue to spread and, you know, spew out plastic all over the planet. I don't see that as a hopeful, you know, as a, as a reason to be hopeful, really. And, and so I kind of feel like the, the default optimism, although it's got good, you know, and, and I, I, I studied Buddhism for years and I have this, you know, like, oh, surround yourself with optimistic, you know, positive energy and, you know, right, right, right. And like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But on the on the other hand, if you say, well, you know, we're going in the wrong direction as a species. We're destroying our planet. Right. And people are saying, well, look on the bright side. There is no fucking bright side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I look on the bright side. I think, well, maybe we'll kill ourselves and leave the planet alone. You know, it'll be better off without us. But uh, anyway, I don't, I don't mean to like yell at you. No, that's beautiful. We're, we're here in a park no, yeah, and I'm yeah, yelling yeah. at you this for being optimistic. This is where we're expressing our emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being you know, so fucking cheerful. So I think that, but you're talking about two, two different things in uh, a way. You know, there's like, there is the, the political, you know, the justice system and the government. Yeah. You know, it's like that. I absolutely agree. Like we need a shift. You know, the shift needs to come from younger people, in my opinion. You know, I think that, and what we're doing is we're... We're adding more to the industrial, you know, military yeah. industrial complex. We're continuing to feed money into that system, feed energy into that, and we're taking away from what the education system. You right. know? So we're taking away from the little ninos that are coming up. You know, and it's like there was I was listening to this thing, uh, the sports psychologist for like Michael Jordan and like the Bulls. Uh, one of the things he was talking about is to sh- to create a shift with the team. You know, like if they they really want to win the trophy or whatever, how, whatever it's called when you win the basketball playoffs, whatever. You know, if they want to win that thing, it's like we need to actually change the core values of this team. You know, we don't need to practice layups. We don't need to practice these individual symptom symptoms of the team's values. We need to actually get under the hood and shift. Why are we here? You know, why are we playing basketball? What's the point? You know, and to do that, you need to get into, in my opinion, the kids. I think that the people that are, you know, in their forties or whatever, and they're in their pressing the red button or whatever. I think that in my opinion, I don't think there's much of a chance where there is a chance is shaping the young up and coming individuals that right. they will be making the decisions in the future, you know, but we're not actually feeding energy into that so much. Yeah. See, I, I'm even more, uh, hopeless than that because <laughs> I, I don't think, and I, I try to like, uh, articulate this in the book, but I don't think we're really making decisions. That's the thing. I, I think that we as a species have, conglomerated into another kind of organism, yeah. a super organism. Sure. And, you know, we talked about this earlier with the, uh, 
you know, Cassie was talking with you about how the body is a community of, of mitochondria, which have, you know, separate DNA and um, also, you know, our microbiome. And the, each individual human being is, in fact, a community of organisms. Right. And I think I, I try to I, I go to the next level and say, OK, then communities of humans have become civilization, mm-hmm. which is itself an organism. Yeah. And so civilization and institutions uh, that make up civilization have their own agendas and their own behavior, their own uh, organic life cycles. Right. And we're subsumed into that. So I kind of feel like, yeah, okay, it's great that young kids are learning, you know, like it's, it's cool to be gay or whatever, you know, it's, it's nice and it's all good. But I can, like, it's like saying, you know, well, if better people ran General Motors or Exxon – then Exxon wouldn't drill in the ocean and spew their shit all over the place. Sure. And I feel like, well, if better people were running Exxon, they'd get fired. Right. Until they found the people who are willing to do that shit. Right. And that and Exxon just keeps going the way it goes. Right. But I'm, I don't mean to depress you, man. This is. Uh, Can you see that I'm crying? I, yeah, I, I see you getting <laughs> sad over there. Yeah. I was so but, happy when I was squatting on the table before. <laughs> no, I'm sitting like a normal adult. <laughs> You're starting to scrunch over. You're starting to look like a writer. Holy shit! This is terrible. A misery loves company. Welcome. Um, but anyway, Rolfing. But but uh, you know, you mentioned some other things too. Uh, you've traveled a lot. Traveled a bit. Yeah. yeah. T- tell me about that. Like you said, you were living on a motorcycle for seven months or something? Or? Yeah. What, um, what was that? Yeah, so I did a little a little trip from, I went from Northern California, bought a bike. Like, it was hilarious, actually. It was like within two weeks, my buddy was like, I have a good idea. I think we should go into South America. The original plan was to go to Tierra de Fuego, which is, you know, bottom yeah. Patagonia. Right, Patagonia. take the... Transamerica Highway. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we got on Craigslist immediately. We both had, you know, a little bit of cash lying around. So we got on Craigslist immediately, bought a couple motorcycles. And uh, just, so when was this? Uh, this was maybe six years ago or so. So, yeah. Like, Are you from like, California? No. I was born in Pennsylvania, which we have that in common. Or uh, well, you weren't born in Pennsylvania. You I was. Time. I was you born were. in Pennsylvania. So I was in Lancaster, Amish country. Oh, home, home of the furniture. Nice. And shoe fly pie and Yeah. Cocaine. Intercourse. Right. Yeah. Intercourse PA. Bird in hand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Lancaster, really? <laughs> yeah. Are you Amish? No. No, 0% Amish. But so Lancaster's interesting in that it's like, it's very, there's a, a very interesting juxtaposition of, of cultures there um, where it's like Lancaster City is kind of not that nice of a city. Now it's it's quite a bit more, you know, more beautiful and fantastic. But um, there's like a lot of cocaine and a lot of crack really? and a lot of different things that are like, eh, not so fantastic in a yeah. city. And then outside of that, there's the whole Amish reality. So you right. have like horses and buggies and it's yeah. just, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, if you, you've been to Vancouver, you live in Vancouver, right? Yeah. You know, so they have whatever that street is where it's like they left the insane asylum out and everybody went oh, into the, the junkies down. Right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so it's, it's kind of Hastings, this like very, very Hastings, right. A very interesting juxtaposition of yeah. that. And then I lived kind of like in the suburbs, like whatever, outside of the city. Right. Yeah. So I grew up there, but, um, yeah, the motorcycle trip decided like last minute, just like let's let's just do it, let's go get it. And I talked to my mom, and I was like, "Mom, you know, we're leaving, we're leaving in a couple of days to go down to Patagonia." And it was the funniest thing. She's like, oh, "I was expecting this horrible reaction," and she's like, oh, "Aaron, won't your butt get sore?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, great success." Yeah, so we spent seven months cruising through Baja. You know, strapped the bikes on the side of a catamaran, traded bodywork for a trip across the Sea of Cortez, no you know, shit. dropped it off on mainland, wow. zigzag throughout Central America. What kind of bikes? 
I had a KLR 650, KLR, KLR 650. It's a, it's a Kawasaki enduro bike. Enduro, so, okay, so we got to do like enough. the Baja 1000 right, and all that stuff. Right. Super, super fun. And um, yeah, one of the things I was talking to you before of like, you know, trying to maintain some degree of, of path with like, this is about health and stuff. One of the things that I noticed is I was going it's tangentially through, speaking, tangentially bitch, speaking, talk right? about whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> Amish <Yeah>. cocaine. <laughs> so, so, but one of the things that I, that I noticed with that in relation to health, you know, is like how powerful your experiences and your perspective on the world is to your actual physical health. You know, right. so before that I was really into supplements and I had all my spirulina pills and I had like all this stuff that I was very, I was in like this, you know, insulated house of health kind of a degree. Are you sort of obsessive? With certain things right. I go through. So I get obsessive with things and then I give up on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, because uh, yeah, so, I have to say, like, Aaron showed up at our apartment today with a backpack full of, like, what you pulled, like, in the first five minutes, you pulled out, like, whey powder, mm, uh, yeah. organic chocolate. Delicious uh, chocolate. Yeah. What else? A special tea. Cacao powder, puer tea. Puer tea. Has some Sheila she, which we didn't, guys, we didn't get into that yet. Sheila she. Uh, coconut water. Coconut water. Yeah. 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 got to stay equipped. Yeah. Man, you're ready for anything. <laughs> Apocalypse could happen. Earthquake strikes, no problem. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you're talking about being on the bike, how that changed. Uh, so, so the change. So you left your cocoon. Left left the health cocoon, you know, and you'd mentioned isolar, which is, you know, insulate and isolate you oh, know, in right, Spanish, right? right? Yeah. You know, and so we insulate ourselves with this health cocoon, you know, yeah. which oftentimes we think that the, you know, that insulation becomes so thick that we fear leaving it, you yeah. know, and that those, those boundaries that we create for ourselves, they end up getting closer and closer and closer until we suffocate in the own boundaries that we create for ourselves. You can't go outside of your house without leaving without your, you know, whey protein powder and your coconut water like I did today. Yeah, you know, yeah. But you know, so what I noticed with going through that experience was I was cut off from all my new agey supplements and then I was on, you know, eggs, beans, and like the occasional lechuga, you know, the occasional bit of lettuce, right. you know, and what I found from that is nothing changed at all. <laughs> you know, so it went from having spending way too much money on supplements to spending four bucks a day on eggs and beans, and there was no shift in my yeah. health. You know, I was still smiling the same amount. I was still in fantastic condition. I was rock climbing and surfing and just smiling on my bike, and you know, it was it was great. And so, what I realized from that, you know, maybe not like it was like this is exactly what I realized, but what I gathered from that was that. This health game that we're all participating in, or some more than others, you know, we, we end up martyring ourselves oftentimes for nutrition, you know, when really the foundation of a healthy organism is how stoked are you about life? You know, yeah. like how excited, <laughs> do you have a reason to wake up in the morning? Right. You right. know, and that's what we end up filling these voids with anything, health, with exercise, with jerking off, like, yeah. like whatever it is. It's like, I only feel okay when I fill my void up with this, you know, whey protein powder, whatever yeah. it is. It's all bullshit. Well, an American society is, is uniquely, maybe, I mean, maybe Japan's is bad, but of the societies I'm familiar with, American society is uniquely um, oriented in that way that, that whatever your problem is, there's a way to buy your way out of it. Right. Or at least that's what they tell you. Yep. Right. Because it's all about if you buy this, you'll be better. You'll be healthier. You'll live forever. You'll never get old. You know, you'll always have hard-ons, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> um, it's, it's a strange thing. Being in America, that's one of the first things and strongest impressions that I get is how 
intensely this society is oriented toward buying your way out of bad health as opposed to what you're saying. And the whole point is that Amer- the way Americans live is so unhealthy. Sure. You know, you know the French paradox, right? Like how is it that the French eat so much more fat right. than we do and have much well, the, lower the, heart the, disease? The gluten's different. Oh, the gluten and <laughs> the GMO. I mean GMOs I, I take a little more seriously than gluten. But, right. um, but uh, my, my theory is – it, it gets into what you're saying. It doesn't fucking matter what you eat. It matters how you eat, who you eat with. Right. If you're sitting at your desk at work, scarfing down a fucking you know Subway sandwich in half an hour because that's all the time they give you, sure. and you know uh, uh, whatever Coke or whatever bullshit. Yeah, you're eating <laughs> bad food. But the real problem is that you're eating it at your desk, right. stressed out. Right. If you had a two-hour lunch break, the way people do in Spain, and you went out and sat in the sun with your friends, and you know had a little wine with lunch where here I have a glass of wine or a beer with lunch. People think I'm an alcoholic, you know, Spain, everybody does like, so yeah, I I think it's how we do things and, uh, much more than what it is. Right. As you were saying, it's like when you're on that bike in Mexico, you're having a good time, you know, you're, you're stressed on the bike. So when you stop, you're, you're relaxed, you're in a hammock, you're, you know, you're seeing beautiful things every day. That's more important than fucking supplements. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. At least that's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck do I know? Right. Um, So did you ever – do you have any problems with the bike? Do you lay it down? Uh, Really minuscule problems. It was – I got super lucky that things were all pretty – pretty easy throughout the whole trip i've almost killed myself on motorcycles several times well the interesting thing with almost killing yourself is kind of like what you were saying before it's like being in those situations where i almost died you know again back getting back to the insulation thing if you don't get close to death every once in a while you don't have as much of a reason to appreciate life yeah you do have a reason but most people don't re- recognize it right it's not until you you know you have your heart attack you know or you have you, yeah. you fall down the cliff or whatever it is that's like yeah. oh, i do love my boring life yeah you know like this is not as boring or, as i thought or it was. or i've been wasting my fucking life and right. it's time to take it serious and the other the thing that's interesting about what you just said is getting close to death it's you can trick your body into thinking you got close to death without actually risking your life, sure, um, or at least a you know minuscule risk. Yeah, like we were talking earlier about like scuba diving sure. or rock climbing, yeah. things where your body just can't believe you're going to survive this. Right. Your brain, not, like you're roped in, you're not right. going to even if you fall, you're going to fall four inches and scrape your knee on the rocks, right? But your body, you look down fifty feet. Sure. And your your lizard brain says you're gonna fucking die here, dude. And your hand, you start shaking. Yeah. You get all these hormonal re- reactions. That has this beautiful effect on your body, whereas you can be really. Cl- Every time we get in a car, we're close to death. Oh yeah, right. But we don't get the benefit of it. Right. So we're actually risking our lives without getting that physiological benefit you're talking about. Right. Whereas we can do things that don't actually risk our lives and get the benefit. It, it's, you know, we can tweak the system a little bit. Sure. Here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, and so, yeah, getting close to that experience, I think it's just, it's one of the things that you had mentioned, I was listening to your podcast and you talked about you were going up and you were going to go to some grad school or PhD, something or another, or you're going to be a teacher. I forget what it was exactly, but you went to Alaska and you hitchhiked across oh, and you got right. to have the experience with these, you know, simple people, right. you know, and what you noticed with those simple people was they were happy. 
You know, yeah. it's like you, we end up yeah. again, martyring ourselves for all this BS where it's like, if it's not nutrition, it's not how many push ups you do. It's like, what kind of car you drive or, or if it's not that it's like something that else, something else that we, we really get excited about. It's like how intellectual somebody is, you right. know, you can get addicted to intellectualness just the way you can get addicted sure. to crack or anything. You know, you start filling up those voids with, well, I know a lot about Hans Selye, you know, or like whatever. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Right. You know, it's, it's great that you know that, you know, but is it coming from a foundation of, are you genuinely happy to be here? Yeah. You know, I think that that's just such a crucial thing. And that's yeah. why the death brushing, getting close to death is fantastic. That's why certain, you know, plant medicines are fantastic, you know, because it can, it's very easy to get wrapped up in this tunnel, you know, of being like, okay, I need the job. I need to get the raise. I need to graduate the thing. I need to get the dog, the fence, the mortgage, the wife, you know, uh, it's like yeah. we have all this stuff and we keep on inching towards the end or what we perceive is like, oh, I'll be happy there. Right. As long as you have that perception, you will never actually achieve happiness. You're just achieving these false summits, yeah. you know, which is a very frustrating thing if you're actually into like mountaineering. False summits, like ah, you know, yeah. it's like we have. I we made it. S- oh, we set I didn't these make things it. up for ourselves, yeah. you know. But getting yeah. into like the core foundation of like, God, like, am I just happy just to be standing in this park right now? From there, then build out, right. You know, and that's right. what I think we oftentimes miss and, and near death experiences or any like flow states, Stephen Kotler's break on talking about this is like yeah. playing the guitar, you know, right. losing track Focus. of yourself yeah. completely. Writing can be a flow state, you know, getting high can, can be. be a flow state. There's all these different <laughs> yeah. sex is a flow state, yeah. all these different things that takes us into this animal reptilian aspect of our brain, you know, and, and what that does is it, it make it, that is nature. You know, Bruce Lee said something along the lines, again, butchering quotes but said something along the lines of combining my human nature with control, you know, and that control, we call that science and information that mm. human nature is that, you know, is yeah. just, you know, I want to, I want to climb the tree. I want to, you know, whatever it is, I just want to go, you know, getting into that. I want to go part. That's the part that can slip away. Yeah. You know, we say, you know, a creative adult is a child that survived. I really like that quote a lot. You know, it's like when you look at a child, they're playing on the rock, they're flipping, they're twisting, they're turning, they're picking their nose, they're putting their finger in their butt, they're tasting it. They're like, like going through all this ridiculous stuff. And you're like, oh, it's just kids. You know, it's like, then you find the one random adult, you know, that's kind of being a little goofy. You know, and we end up outcasting him and we say like, oh, that guy, no, he's crazy. He's, he's weird. You know, he's different. And we end up, you know, almost like shunning him and putting that fire out. That fire is, is passion. That fire is life. Yeah. But people that don't have life, that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we need to start praising that. We need to change again. This is why I say, I think, get back to the young people. You know, if you're, if there's, there's a chance to change everyone for sure. But a little kid, they don't know any different. You know, so if it's yeah. always normal to get naked and do cartwheels or whatever you're into, you know, just do play your guitar, like just enjoy yourself. Then that just is never a thing of potential judgment. Everything, you know, maybe this happens to everybody, but I'm feeling like this book I'm writing now, it might be the last book I ever write, partly because it's just such a pain in the ass. And but partly because I feel like if I can get this thing done, it's sort of a it's sort of like a universal it's got some universal applicability mm. um, and it relates to what you were just saying because I keep thinking there's this one the one of the quotes that I open a chapter with is from uh, T.S. Eliot the four quartets he says the end of all our we shall not 
cease our travels and the end of all our journeys will be to return to where we began and know the place for the first time. I wrote that on my journal through Mexico, actually. Oh. That's the very first quote that I had on my this leather-bound journal that my buddy made for me. Beautiful. He's got this business in India. It's fantastic. He makes leather-bound journals. Oh, nice. Um, and that's the very, very first line. I mean, but the, doesn't that trip. sum up everything? You know, I mean, you're talking about kids. So sure. an individual life, right? Like, if you live your life properly... And if you're lucky enough to get through, uh, you know, and, and have the years and you don't, you know, run your bike into an elephant as I almost did in Thailand or whatever, you you get to a point where you say, okay, wait a minute, I get it. Like, I'm, it's circling back to where I was right. as a kid right. in terms of creativity, in terms of acceptance, in terms of not being afraid of dying, in terms of all these things. You, you like, you go out, you have these experiences, and then you come back. And, but you're conscious now in right. a way that you weren't the first time, right? right. This is uh, the hero with a, a thousand faces. I don't know if you've read that book. Read that, uh, um, Joseph Campbell. He he was a mythologist, and he studied all these myths from all over the world, and he found they're they're all the same story. It's all right. the same story. It's it's generally about a young man goes out on a journey, has all these experiences. Think of uh, the Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. You know, goes out, he deals with the Cyclops and he, you know, goes by Scylla and Charybdis and he you know, meets all these characters and has all these adventures. And then at the end, he goes back where he came from with knowledge and wisdom that he can now use to help his people, right? Sure. The, the prodigal son who returns and helps his people. So it happens on individual lives. It happens culturally. And I feel like if civilization is to survive... Or, or if our species is to survive in any way that's worth surviving, it will be because we will turn back to where we started, which is a hunter-gatherer existence, and recognize the value and the wisdom of that way of living that we didn't understand at the time. We didn't get it then because we didn't know anything else. Right. But we'll choose to live that way as opposed to living that way because that's the way we've always lived, mm. right? Sure. And so I kind of feel like that cycle of going back to where we began, but with wisdom and knowledge that came from having been so far away, that's the recurring cycle of everything, mm. you know? I don't know why the fuck I'm ranting about that. No, that's that. beautiful. Well, I uh, think, you know, it's so looking at Earth as an organism, looking at humanity right. as an organism, right? That's, you know, it is. You know, and now we have technology, you know, and this whole institution yeah. thing that we're feeding energy technology into. has us. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It started off, we created technology to help us out. Right. You know, and now we got to the point where it's like, again, shifting, shifting the little children's. You know, we, we grow up believing that you need to feed into the system. We grow up believing, you know, we're like, we're fairly, we're fairly mechanical in our education system where you're taught to be a cog in a wheel in a sense. Yeah. You know, exactly. you're, you're, you're taught, here's how you work for somebody. Right. They don't give you, you know, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people in elementary school. Right. You know, you don't, you don't ever get that. You don't ever get like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, what's it, what's it called? The, uh, I forget what it's called right now, but it's, it's all about, you know, can I work for myself? Can I be creative? Can I create my own system? You know, like Buckminster Fuller, like if the system doesn't work, make your own. You know, like we're not taught how to critically think. Yeah. Right? We're taught how to told how to be told what to do right. and follow those orders. The opposite of critical thinking. Totally. Yeah. You know, and then there's a few outliers out there, you know, that end up saying, like, you know what, screw the system. You know, like I have something to say. 
you know, and they come out and they do it. And, and then, and then people either, you know, it's like Jesus Christ, you know, they either, yeah. he's either completely insane, you know, or remembered for eternity, you know, it's like, well, yeah, most you, of those people, yeah, most of those people end up either in prison or, right. uh, you know, beaten down and destroyed, which, yeah, yeah. But you're right. I read an interesting thing about Buckminster Fuller the other day that when he was a kid, he had um, bad vision, mm. but he his family had no money, so they couldn't get him glasses. And he didn't get glasses till he was like seven or eight years old. And until he um, actually had eyeglasses, he refused to believe that the world wasn't fuzzy. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he's That's like... Amazing. No, I, this is what I see. And until it's proven otherwise, right. you know, well, look at like, you know, dogs, like they don't have cones in their eyes to see color. Right. Right. You know, so we look up and we see a rainbow, right. you know, right. oh, it's amazing what the color is, yeah. you know, and that's real to us. Right. But our perception device is creating this shit. Right. You know? Yeah. And the, and the, <laughs> you know? and the dog's going, I don't know what you're looking know at, what you're but do you about, smell but... that guy just walked by? <laughs> <laughs> that guy is interesting smell. You know, so that's the interesting thing. It's like you know, we only we only actually receive like one percent of the electromagnetic spectrum, or you know, yeah. we only receive a percent of the acoustic spectrum. You know, all these different things. You know, a dog whistle again, back and get back to the dog. You know, like nobody hears it. The dog's going crazy. You know, how much stuff is out there right, right now that we're just completely missing out on? Yeah. And that's again coming back to that's the you know the place and, and understanding it for the first time you know it's like right now this experience is an absolute miracle you know the fact that like i have these billions of processes happening inside my body you know and the fact that it's like this table's predominantly empty space and we're predominantly water and you have all this different crazy stuff right happening right now you know and we're just kind of whatever you know just talking about stuff and it's like uh, it's so easy to be bored in this society. It's like, if right. you're bored, you're a boring person. Like you need to address some core foundations yeah. because life is a miracle. Yeah. Getting back to that uh, Louis CK <laughs> bit we were talking about earlier. Like you're in the airplane, like, Oh yeah, my seat won't go back. Right. And, and he's like, are you kidding? Everyone should in every airplane should just be going, ah, right. I'm in a chair in the sky. <laughs> Well, and one of the other things I wanted to say is, you know, so I don't believe that we do need to go back to hunter-gatherer tribes in order to, you know, make any progress. I think that technology is the most brilliant tool that we've discovered. You know, and any tool, it's like a hammer. You know, I could swatch you in the head with it right now, you know, and it's still a hammer. You know, or I could build a beautiful house and I could live in it and I could feed my family and it is wonderful. You know, I think technology is like the super ultra exponential like mega hammer, you know, and we can do amazing things with it. You know, that hammer is permitting this conversation. People like yourself that are putting messages like this one out into the world, that's a big deal. You know, that's us leveraging technology in our favor. You know, and I believe that if earth and humanity is an organism to a degree, I do think we're, I, I, I believe that progress is happening. I see that in like my bubbles that I live in, you know, but I think that you could say that you, this organism that we are part of to a degree has an autoimmune disease, you know, and it's like if mm-hmm. someone, if someone in your family gets an autoimmune disease of some sort, you don't just say, man, we got to kill them and they're going to reincarnate and hopefully they'll come back as, you know, somebody, somebody else. Well, maybe you know? not in your family. Right. <laughs> You know, but I think that we need to, again, get down to the source of like, 
oh, like, where did this come from? Is yeah. your immune system attacking itself because it's been exposed to artificial stressors or food or whatever for the last X amount of years? Or is it, you know, is it bored because you're sterilizing everything in your environment? You're not actually getting to experience like a real bacterial experience because you sterilize everything. You know, our mm. body is crawling with bacteria and fungus and mites and all this stuff that's just gross and beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know, and I think that what we need, really need to do is we need to recognize that earth, humanity, you know, a lot of amazing things are happening. And there's also some fires, you know, some pretty serious fires that are intrinsic and deep in the system, you know, and we don't heal those fires just by saying, hit us with an asteroid. You know, I think by working from every angle that we can, you know, saying like, you know, grow the, grow the plate and the pedestal out, you know, grow the legs out, grow the plate out, hit it from every angle that you possibly can, you know, so small shifts, small shifts in consciousness. If there's enough people that think this conversation is cool, you know, like this conversation makes sense, they start having this conversation, right? you know, and that starts to spread. And it's all, you know, those, those powers of, of, again, like the collective consciousness. All right. This has been uh, part one of what's going to be a, a two-part podcast. We're going to take a break here. Aaron is doing a handstand Oh, one hand. On one hand, you you show off, motherfucker. Casilda's hula hooping. Aaron's doing his handstands. We're going to take a break. I'm going to um, not climb a tree or do handstands. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do part two, which will be on Aaron's podcast, which is, hey, what's the name of your podcast? Align Podcast. Align Podcast. Yeah. So if you want to have a link to it on, on my website. But if you want to you start with part two or you want to just do whatever the hell you want to do, it's a line podcast. In the meantime, before we leave, um, tell us about your website and, and the different uh, things that you, you do. And we've talked a little bit about your therapy. We, I feel yeah. like we barely brushed the, yeah. the surface here. But <laughs> right. we talked a little bit about your, your rolfing and your, your body therapy. But what do you do on your website? So uh, what I had noticed over, you know, doing, you know, hundreds or thousands or whatever sessions with people was I was starting to say the same thing, you know, oftentimes, you know, and so what I started to do originally was create videos for people, you know, and anytime anyone had a question about something or anytime I felt like I was starting to be a broken record about something, I just made a video, you know, and then I'd refer people to that and, and just save myself calories by not saying the same thing over and over again. What that started to build into is a whole bunch of videos. And I have like hundreds of free videos on YouTube and such. And then they're on my website as well. And then uh, from there, turned into creating courses for people. You know, so how to actually move functionally. Like, what the hell does functional movement mean? You know, we all, when we're going to the gym, it's like, oh, I'm going to do a functional work. It's like, what is that? You know, so actually developing a functional foundation of movement for people. And then from there, getting into dynamic movement. And then from there, teaching about how to functionally play essentially you know Mm -hmm. so how to really get your body into more of a dynamic range of motion while maintaining a strong stable functional foundation and then with that the other important aspect of things is self-care you know and so self-care 
my approach with that is, you know, instead of me using my elbows and my hands and my feet or whatever to work with people is I have a, a, uh, I created a, a product, I guess you could call it for myself originally, which is a foam roller that's hollow. Mm. Then inside there's a couple different size myofascial release balls and then a band with a door anchor. And so you can adjust to different heights and, um, use that to decompress joints or exercise, or whatever. And it all fits inside the foam roller. Mm. And so what I've done is I've created this, this, uh, comprehensive system essentially of combining using the foam roller and the bands and the balls and then using that to take care of yourself and then combining that with functional movement and you can find all of that stuff on aligntherapy.com a-l-i-g-n therapy.com great and and is that where the podcast is as well yes sir okay good yeah. or on itunes or stitcher or wherever it all links to that that's uh, all in there okay yeah. cool all right everybody there you have it go over there if you want to hear part two of this uh, conversation which i think we're just going to keep going, keep going the way we were so if you've enjoyed this uh join us over there and we'll see you in a minute he said baby what's a big deal feel what you want to feel say what you want to say you're gonna die one day for example i could kiss you just because i want to what's the difference if you turn away i'm gonna die one day why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone, I don't wanna give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. Your body is an animal. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground